This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. In this league, Podcast Network presents Prospect One. The Fantasy Prospect Podcast. Prospect One. With your host, Chris Welsh. This is the Fantasy Baseball Prospect Podcast. Prospect One. Hello, friends. I'm Chris Welsh. You can find me on Twitter at IsItTheWelsh and over at InThisLeague.com. Top 500 prospect list, dynasty list, 2023 early redraft list, first year player, and a lot more. Take a breath there. A lot more. Got prospect one, group me rooms. Bottom line, in this league.com, how's all the things that I do? From prospect lists to hanging out in the group me side to having access to me and a ton more. Plus, the Arizona Fall League is coming here shortly. I will be doing extra content and some Patreon-only content. So if you want to support me, get access to that stuff, and like I said, support the independent uh, work that is Prospect One, going over to InThisLeague.com and signing up is the best way to do it. And yes, I am working on all the updates. September is a really, really rough time, but I am trying to work on the Dynasty update and the big overhauling prospect side of the update that I just want to get done and out there before the Arizona Fall League. So it will be there. So if you want to access uh, Patreon is a place to do it. It is uh, kind of talk about it in this episode. To me, this is the most daunting one, the end of the season, because I think there's a lot of just end of season stats to look at. And it ends up being kind of a spot where there's just so many players and how they finished in full season stats that you get to recognize. You just want to do it right. I feel like I want to go into the offseason in a right spot. And there's I think there's a lot of players to add that maybe we hadn't and uh, again, it's just, you know, it's done. There's not like the excuse of a whole bunch more in front of you. So to me, this is the most daunting one. So I just want to make sure I have it in a pretty good spot because obviously it's always working through, but in this league.com to come and sign up and check it out today on the episode, James Anderson from RotoWire is joining me and we are going to be breaking down the 2022 season with all the stat leaders, the top performances, the top stat guys who led in homers, who led in stolen bases, strikeouts, and then also kind of cherry-picking some other interesting stuff, the youngest to do it. These are the big stat leaders, the biggest performances from this season. Obviously, there might be like a couple more games to go, I know, in AAA and I think AA, but this is us breaking down the 2022 season from a whole and some of the most interesting prospects. So James is going to be joining me here for an hour to do that, and I'm very much looking forward to you guys getting to hear it because it's a great conversation about a lot of these guys. At the start of the episode, though, the Arizona Fall League rosters were released. They were actually here, and I haven't gone through whatsoever how I did. I think I did pretty good. There was a time where some thought we were going to lose some of the superstars, and it ends up we got some shockers. Jason Dominguez is going to be there. Um, there's a litany of great players. Jordan Lawler was one that I got correct. Jordan Walker is going to be there. There's no Jackson Churio, which some thought... But uh, there is a ton of good names. There's some good rosters. And per usual, there's lacking of pitching. There's not great pitching. I mean, I think I think Tink Hens might be the number one pitcher that is coming. And there's a couple other decent... No, there's some decent ones. And then there's some really far-off names. 
but I will do a separate episode breaking down the AFL rosters. I'm not going to do it here. I'll have it here in just a little bit, uh, probably in the next couple days. I'll break down the how my accuracy, what the rosters look like, some of the top prospects, and even maybe speculate on some of the players that I think are going to get the biggest boost uh, because there's some very young players that are going. There's some huge names. And sometimes even like how the rosters are constructed could make a player not get enough time. And some are going to be put in some spots where they are going to thrive. So that's kind of the take advantage of like, who can you get in on now that could thrive in the Arizona Fall League and maybe get a big boost whether you want to keep them or not. So uh, Fall League roster stuff is out. That's pretty exciting. Uh, the end of the season is here. All of this is exciting to talk about, and we get to prep in the offseason, which sometimes for us prospect people is the most fun. Uh, this episode brought to you, my friend, Dennis Sidler at Sid's Graphs. You want to go and check him out today because some of the Arizona Fall League's best are his clients. Jordan Walker. Yep, Jordan Walker. Uh, one of the top prospects is going to be playing. I know he's listed in the infield, but he's going to be an outfielder in the AFL. He's going to be out there for everybody, and uh, he is a part of Dennis Sidler's group. Plus, Jackson Trio won't be there, but he is at Sid's Graphs. If you're looking for balls, cards, bats, whatever it is, some of the best clientele from Michael Harris to Jackson Churio to Jordan Walker or the number one prospect in baseball, Corbin Carroll. Go and check him out today and support him. And Dennis makes it possible for me to do cool things like my Break These leagues of League events, which I just did on Friday. Uh, this episode might come out right before I air it, where uh, we've got some cool items, uh, some unique items you can't get anywhere else. One of the things I was doing was this yellow paint pen signed Jackson Churio um first edition, first card, like it's crazy card, uh, but it's his full name. It's just something you can't get anywhere else. And that's what I like to do. And that's something that Dennis has. So check him out, uh, sidsgraphs.com and on the social media, go and do that. All right. Uh, let's just get into the episode. We don't need to have any fervor about anything. James and I are going to be talking about this minor league season as a whole, tons of prospects. We might not talk about the guy that you want. Uh, hopefully we do because we talk about a ton of players and really get you in a perspective of what the 2022 season had in some of the biggest performances. So it's me and James Anderson. And a note before you listen to this. This is going to be annoying. I am super annoyed about it as I was just editing and getting ready. My microphone is not on. I'm there, but it's looking at something completely different. And it's because what I did before. And I'm going to sound like I am far away and in a distance. That sucks. And if you know me, you know how upset that makes me, that the audio is bad. James is fine. I sound like I'm from a distance in a room because that's exactly what it is. It's picking up my uh, stupid webcam microphone instead of my actual good microphone. So, bear through. I apologize. It's lame. Uh, it wasn't caught before. I didn't see it. Uh, James obviously didn't hear it. So you're going to get really garbage audio me with good audio, James, but hopefully, and most likely you're probably here for James anyway. So, um, just a pre-warning before you guys let me know, I heard it. <sighs> Here's James. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Say, I like you. I like you so much, I'm going to make you my partner. All you have to do is find the gold and I'll share it with you 50 50. Prospect one. He is James Anderson from RotoWire. He's on the podcast, Real JR Anderson on the Twitters. And I will be hanging with Mr. James Anderson in six weeks, six weeks or so. Does that sound about right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's my favorite time of the year. I know. We were, we were sitting here. We were talking, talking about doing uh, doing a little lunch, doing a little dinner, you know, well, the battle of the minds, you know, minds of prospects we get to talk over. And how funny is it, uh, as we are recording this podcast, the Arizona Poly rosters were just released. I, I'm going to do a, be doing a breakdown on it, as I said, but they were just released and the amount of um, young talent that's going to be out there that you and I are going to get to look at. And then we're going to get to, you know, cross talk about is going to be fascinating. You and I did this video, it's on the YouTube. I remember people getting mad about it. We did this breakdown video of Jason Dominguez. When, remember when he looked like Aaron Donald? Remember that video where he looked like Aaron Donald hitting? And we did this breakdown of him hitting. And there, I remember like comments on that were like, what are these guys doing? They're getting all mad. And this was like when you couldn't say anything bad about Jason Dominguez at all. And we were really breaking it down. Now we are going to get to in person, like make people mad about Jason Dominguez or maybe happy. Uh, we'll get to watch him in person, which is going to be exciting. You and I were talking about the soft air though, James, who are you most excited to see? You haven't really gone through and done the full breakdown. I did give you the big players that are going to be in the AFL, but you got one guy that you're most excited to see in person. Yeah. Jordan Lawler. Uh, not a hundred percent sure. I will get to see him. I haven't dug into the schedules or anything like that of, when the games are happening, because I'm only going to be able to see uh, probably three games at most while I'm out there. And I can the... confirm to you, I can confirm to you, if you do make that Thursday night game, it is uh, Salt River at Mesa. Otherwise, you'd have to come down and hang with me and surprise on um, on Friday morning for a little bit of Jordan Lawler action. But he also, you're going to be here for the home run derby, which you're going to do. So hopefully you'll get to see. But there are a few opportunities for you to get Jordan Lawler if you want. But he's the number one on your list. Yeah, definitely. I just, I mean, he's one of my favorite guys to watch on video. So getting to see him in person will be a treat. Yeah, and it's quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of guys that are going to be out there. And it's relative to the conversation we're going to be having today, where we are going to be talking about the finality, for the most part, the finality of the minor league season. There might be an adjustment or two. I believe there's a couple more games as we're recording this and double a and maybe triple a i know the the a seasons have ended but outside of a a homer here a homer there we kind of have like the leaders we're also getting into this weird place too where like the teams are starting to move players up up and down just at the last minute like jason dominguez just got moved up to double a he'll get maybe a few more categories but what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at stat leaders across the minor leagues for the 2022 season from hitting from pitching I've put together even some age-based ones. Uh, we're going to be just going through it, and it's going to give us a good opportunity to chat through a whole bunch of players. 
that are relevant to people uh, as far as uh, valuations and how ranks are going to go in the off season. And that is something I have been the, the undertaking of the end of season rank for, for whatever reason, James, for me is the toughest one. Now I don't remember it being like that before. I felt like I've been in a good place the whole time, but this end of season one, uh, I know you, I think you just released one recently. I don't know if you're doing like another in October or whatever it's going to be, but this one seems the most daunting to me as far as ending it. Cause you're going through the finality of the entire season. There's so many um, you know, Dominican summer league guys and complex and the A's and you're putting them all together. And it, it is the most daunting to me. Do you feel any way the same or are you pretty comfortable with the adjustments you've been making recently? I, I kind of feel the opposite just because I'm going to spend the least amount of time on that final update. Like, I'm probably going to release it the first week of October. Okay. Um, and then I won't touch it again until the massive update I do with the uh, J15 guys. Um, so, like, I'll spend 100, like, 100 times the time on the off-season update as I will this last one of the regular season. I would say the most daunting one for me is the – post-draft one because mm. uh, you know you've done a ton of work kind of prepping on the draftees but at the same time you have so much happening with non-draftees in terms of who's moving up and who's moving down so I think that one in the middle of the season is probably the most daunting for me this one's just it's not daunting because I'm I'm just trying to get it in like a good enough place that I can leave it for a few months while I do the actual real important update um, for yeah, the off season. So yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's those our brains. That's how we work. We all have the different processes of uh, putting these lists together and stuff like that. I, I just, I feel it daunting getting prepared for the Arizona fall league where we're going to have more adjustments. We'll have more adjustments as we are getting a litany of players that are going to be, you know, getting actual performance that we're going to get to focus on some really young guys, um, some huge names that are going to be out there. Not a lot of pitching, but let's uh, just get in right into it. Let's talk about these bad boys and let's talk about the leaders. And this is one uh, I feel like has come up in just a lot of side conversations for me throughout the year. And we're taking a look at the batting average leader across the minor leagues. Now, I've adjusted this a tiny bit where I'm not going to be putting in the Dominican Summer League or Complex into this. Uh, because also, I'm not like announcing the stat leader. This was number one. Let's pick out some players that were in the lead. But this is the leader of any non-complex or Dominican summer league. If you guys want, the leader technically was, uh, what is it, Estalin uh, Cassiani with the San Francisco Giants, who led the way in the Dominican summer league, 19 years old with a 375 batting average. It's technically your leader. But the first non-Dominican summer league or complex player was Vaughn Brown who's moved a couple levels, ended up with 23 homers this season, 100 runs, hitting 346, 44 stolen bases. I believe he's uh, come up in some Jim Callis conversations. He did, he's did. he gotten a tiny, tiny little taste of double-A. He is way older for the leagues that he's in, but it doesn't take away the incredible stats that he has put up. So you've got a 346 batting average total on the season. What are your thoughts on Vaughn Brown and what he's done this year, regardless of age? I think he's become someone to follow, but I don't think 
he's done like he hasn't proven anything to me other than that he can beat up on much younger competition and that he was able to run a what 450 Babbitt basically on the air. Um, uh, that, yeah, that's about what it looks like. In uh, low A, it was 439, 460 in high A, relatively close. Yeah, so I think it's right at 450. And he hasn't done literally has played one game at double A as we are uh, talking. Like, the one, one way to kind of put his age into perspective is that he's uh, three and a half years older than Ellie De La Cruz. And Ellie De La Cruz has over 190 more plate appearances than him at Double A. So, a good like put it. very, very similar counting stats on the year to Ellie. Uh, obviously, the batting average, but I think if you kind of adjusted for luck, I'd say they had just as good a year from a batting average standpoint. Similar K to walk issues, and Ellie's three and a half years younger and more advanced in terms of Double A experience. Now I will say I will say that there are some fascinating names above. So Brown comes in at ten overall on the minor league um, leaderboard as far as batting average at three forty six. There are a couple names. All these names are relevant, and, and I don't mean to be dismissive of the Dominican Summer League or the Complex League because it's not. It's just if you look at like from a plate appearance perspective, Von Brown had three hundred eighty seven at bats and hit three forty six compared to like a hundred something and others, but not all things are equated equal. Like you said, a 24, 23, 24 year old dominating these low, low levels. There are some fascinating names at the top. We're going to talk about one of these guys here in just a couple of minutes, but Brian Betancourt, 18 years old, Colorado, Dominican summer league hit 355, which was third best. Um, Jose de pa- uh, Paula with the Dodgers has been a big name. I, I know a lot of people are talking about 349, 17 years old, five homer, 16 stolen bases in the Dominican Summer League. And I think he might have come over complex a little bit. And um, who's the other one I wanted to throw at you? Samuel Munoz with uh, Munoz with the Dodgers, also 348, uh, 17 years old. So those are some top 10 guys that are more age perspective. Do any of those pop to you particularly for your list? Uh, well, Josu DePaula was probably, is probably the best prospect that I don't have ranked right now. I just... It was an oversight on my last update. So he's not ranked, but if he were on there, he'd probably be around like 200 or 250. Um, Munoz is ranked. I think he's, you know, one of the better DSL guys to watch heading into next year. Uh, Betancourt, I don't really view in that same tier. Okay, and um, Munoz I really like too. Big physical dude, six three, almost two hundred pounds. And DePaula I guess did not come over in complex yet. I think I always confuse him with um, I can't even think of his name, but there was like a catcher with the Dodgers that was out here that uh, never really was crazy impressive to me. But those are some of those like big um, batting average players to make in summer league complex league. A couple of the players under that are you know at actual levels at A or above when if we want to dismiss Vaughn Brown a little bit is Astoria Ruiz. Astoria Ruiz was number one. I'm not going to count John uh, Carlos Centron who's 27 years old, but we can talk about Astoria who is 76 stolen bases in the minor leagues, hit 336 between San Diego and now the Brewers and 16 homers. I, I don't think I've we've talked about Astoria for quite some time, but you know, where are you sitting on Astoria? He got a little cup of coffee, sent him back down, dominating the minors is one of the most prolific hitters as far as uh, this minor league season has gone and in the organization that you definitely follow a little bit closer. Yeah, I think he's 
kind of a, I don't know, kind of a boomer bust guy for fantasy, but he's so close to the majors and has such a high stolen base ceiling that, like, I think it's worth kind of being in on him to a certain extent. Um, I think it's going to be really fascinating to see how the Brewers allocate uh, playing time for their outfielders next season because basically they're all their best hitting prospects who are, you know, like they're all just outfielders, right? Um, yeah. Like you have, I mean, I... you have Ruiz, Mitchell, Frelick, uh, Weimer. Um, you know, I think Churio will be up. That's I think Churio at like if he keeps on this trajectory will be up in September of next year, kind of like with Cor- with Carroll and, and Henderson this year. So um, like and Frelick and Mitchell and Ruiz are kind of all similar ish uh, players. And then uh, you know Weimer, I'm not as high on. Like I think he might end up just end up like on the short side of a platoon or something, but uh, I just, they have three guys that are basically big league ready and maybe a spot, maybe, maybe two spots, but um, they can't all play really. Yeah. There's part of me too, that wonders if they would consider bringing history back down to maybe second base where he played before, just because like you mentioned, like, you know, we're talking about batting average. Freelick is right down this list. He's like two spots of non-complex down when we look at batting average. Um, yeah, I think he hit like 329, so he's right on that list. Garrett Mitchell's look good early on, that they just got a glut. Or maybe what you do is, and this is what could hurt his fantasy value, because I know a lot of people are sitting on what to do with this story, is that he might be the ultimate number four. He might be that guy that they put, um, almost like what Jake McCarthy was with the Diamondbacks early on, make him as your fourth outfielder. If you earn a pinch, maybe they'd be comfortable with him playing some second base if need be. But I don't know if they prioritize getting him in the lineup, though it would be fascinating. A guy that can steal 70-plus bases that has real power would be fascinating to see. I, I think but I think you're alluding to something similar that I have that it's just like, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure that they're committed. I think they're going to be committed to Garrett Mitchell next year. I would not be shocked if Freelick breaks camp. You know, so many teams are going to be um, – they're already incentivized and maybe committed to having guys – break camp on the roster so they can potentially try to get a pick. I mean, you get a pick, even if your guy finishes in the top three, but you get the first rounder if they win, but the Brewers might look at that and say, we want Freelick now. You know, he looks fantastic. So I just don't know where his story quite fits. And I think that's what puts some of his fantasy um, prowess in question. So going over to hits. So getting away from batting average for a minute, there are a couple of fascinating names and Will Brennan was someone I was really high on this year. Really thought he was going to get pushed up. Ended up hitting 316, but led is lit late leads. I don't know if it will continue because there's still a couple more games, but leads the minor leagues in hits with 161. Only 11 homers, but 20 stolen bases has hit all year. He's 24 years old, a little bit older. And the Guardians have given everybody else an opportunity, I felt like, with Nolan Jones or Will Benson. I don't know if it was more about like seeing what they've got in these guys, but we never saw Valeri get pushed aggressively, and uh, he didn't end up a little bit of, to my shock. He's not on an AFL roster. He'll probably go play in Dominican Winter League. And we never saw Will Brennan get pushed up. And I thought this was the perfect – if they push up Quan and they push up all these guys, it just never happened. Uh, thoughts on Will Brennan leading the minor leagues in hits? Yeah, I really like Brennan. Uh, 
he was really tough to rank on my last update because I, and I think like sort of thinking this over today, um, I think I maybe should have pushed him even higher. Uh, let's see where I had him. Um, yeah, where did you have him? I had him at 93. Um, okay. So I, I think the Guardians are another team like the Brewers where they have a lot of young outfielders who deserve a look. And I, I think Oscar Gonzalez and Stephen Kwan have sort of solidified themselves or themselves heading into next year like they will be starting outfielders. Uh, I don't think Miles Straw has done that. I think he's probably trending towards maybe a fourth outfielder role at best uh, next yeah. season. And that might be where Brennan slots in. I like a lot of their other outfielders too. Like I, I like uh, Will Benson. I like, um, I mean, I think Nolan Jones has shown some flashes. Um they they have a decent amount of these guys. Valera, as you mentioned, like Valera clearly is a, a building block for them long term. But I think Brennan could be the guy that supplants Miles Straw in center field. And he's he's really similar in a lot of ways to Quan, although I think there's maybe even more fantasy upside with Brennan than there's with Quan, but you know, very similar hit tool first type of guys uh, that can add a little value with the club. Yeah, he was just one of those guys I was real. I think I had him on one of the things I do on my redraft list because, uh, you know, prospects and dynasty and stuff on the redraft list. I do. I would have like 20 prospects each month when I did the update to look at. And I think Will Brennan was on it for like half of the year. I just always thought they were going to push him up. And I completely agree with everything you said. He's such a great contact hitter. He has a lot of the same tools that you see in some of the other players. Uh, like in more of the like Quan type of range because it's weird because you've got like Nolan Jones is a huge power on base type of guy average could struggle Will Benson is a tooled out player if he hits correctly Oscar Gonzalez seems like the big lock they just have a glut of players so I don't know what that ends up doing but Will Brennan fantastic year you also had Jordan Diaz who ended up being at uh, number two in hits, 158 with the A's. He moved uh, definitely up this season, 324, 18 homers, no stolen bases whatsoever, but does not, he doesn't walk and he doesn't strike out. He's a weird prospect, dude. He's 21 years old, doesn't really walk, doesn't strike out. He hits a decent amount of homers. He had 34 doubles this year. There's power, but he makes contact like crazy. Your thoughts on Jordan Diaz, uh, number two in total hits in the minor leagues this year. Yeah, he's so weird. Um, <laughs> I, I don't like him as much as Brennan. I, you know, like I have him ranked around like 150. Uh, the thing that I think is really working in his favor is just how bad the A's depth chart is. Um, you know, like he, you kind of got to stick him at like first base or DH. Like he's, He's kind of um, like he's almost kind of like a, a Jose Miranda light type of guy where there's just there's not a good defensive home for him, but the hit tool might just be good enough. And um, I think just looking at the A's and the other options they have, like they gave so many plate appearances this year to just extremely mediocre, like mid 20 something journeyman types. Like Jordan Diaz has done way more as a prospect than most of the guys on that active roster. And he's, he just turned 22. 
Uh, so I think he gets, you know, maybe a couple of years to work as kind of a everyday player, just given the the dearth of talent around him. And he could hit for a decent average and maybe grow into like 15, 20 homer power. He might. Uh, 21 years old, pushed up to AAA. There's an opportunity. My favorite on the list is going to be no shocker. He's actually number three. He's the youngest. And if we wanted to put together, you know, the number one under 20-year-old hitter in the minor leagues, it is Davison De Los Santos with the Arizona Diamondback, who is, I believe, the youngest player or the second youngest player going to the Arizona Fall League. He, uh, he was actually drafted by one of the Dominican Winter League teams, but the Diamondbacks are going to be sending him aggressively. And as they've done, and I said, I've always said, I actually put this on Jordan Lawler, who they're sending, that they have been known, the Diamondbacks have been known to be aggressive in the Fall League with some of these young players. De Los Santos is getting that. He's getting them big, major push. He finished technically fourth in hits with 155, 22 homers. Um, he had the most homers by anybody, obviously, under 20, and anybody under 23 in the top 10. I'm trying to find somebody under 23. The closest person is 18 in hits with 142, Christian Encarnacion Strand, who had 30 homers. He's 22 years old. Uh, he had 30 homers with all those hits this year. He was uh, top 20. Otherwise, it's Davison. 22 homers, 29 doubles. He had uh, five stolen bases. Strikeouts are an issue, but he hit over 300 as a 19-year-old, getting aggressive and moving. Where have you moved on Davison? Because I have a thing where I look at him and I go, how high can I not put him? And that's the question. It's like not how high can I put him. It's like how can I have him below a, a large amount of players, James? Yeah, uh, I I had him at 63 on the last update. Uh, I think he's a really challenging player to rank because he, ha- he has, you know, he's got more good things going for him than bad things, but it's all kind of obvious, like the good stuff and the bad stuff. Um, yeah, size, they- you go size on him and, you know, like potential position, position and size are going to be something you're going to probably take a look at as a negative. They, they really pushed him. I mean, it, if you look about, I mean, if you look at just the fact that he basically didn't miss any time this year and he rarely walks like 6% walk rate, like him being that high on the hits list makes sense. Uh, and he's hitting the ball hard and he's playing against, bad defenders so he's running high bad ups and um you know there's i get kind of uh or elvis martinez vibes on like kind of a negative end but i mm-hmm. think he's better at the same age than or elvis and i'm um, just more generally impressed with him but i i really struggle to like, I still think he's kind of a boomer bust type of guy, despite how quickly he's risen up the ranks. Yeah, I, I was impressed physically with him during spring training. That was that whole thing, you know, when I shared the video of him hitting the pole. And, um, you know, physically, he didn't look as big as I thought. And I had talked to, you know, Ryan Nelson and a couple other pitchers about him, and everyone just raved about him. So the body stuck, the hit tool continued to go. Uh, I mean, I think, like you said, you actually said it really well. Like, the obvious things are obvious in your face. It's like the strikeouts, the walks, where are they going to be? He made a lot of contact. He just did it at such a young age. And I feel like, you know, we give a lot of passes to a lot of other guys that do these things at young ages. And it's like, who else is doing it besides him? I mean, he's not 
Churio, of course, where it's like you're the youngest at every single level, bombing everything out, but he's not that much further. Um, and he's hit over 300 on an, in a complete full season, moved multiple levels, 20 plus homers, under 20 years old. You know, Robles didn't do stuff like this. So I think maybe it was that like first season he did kind of dominate with batting average because the power was so high. I had Davison at 47 on my last update, and that was, you know, a little bit ago. That was in the, I guess, the mid-early August update. And I continue to look, and I go, I don't know. I think he needs to even go further. But we're going to get a lot of looks on him. And either way, at the tops of the list for hits this season, which is uh, very, very impressive. Uh, let me pull back up because, of course, I just closed my sheet on where we were going to go. Uh, the next one, just jump into homers, actually. Actually, just re- really quick yeah. on Davison. Um, like, I would just say for the AFL, um, he's he's someone where I'm not going to have high expectations because of sure. his age uh, and just kind of general lack of experience against uh, more advanced pitching. But, like, when you go in with low expectations, like if he were to really show out, then I'd probably bump him up to kind of where you him. Yeah, and I think it'll it'll be really interesting to watch there too because it's not dominant pitching, but um, we also have not seen these young guys really dominate when they come to the AFL. So to, to, to just your point, if everyone's wondering, like if you see him play really well, it would actually be an anomaly. Like take Ezekiel Tovar. Ezekiel Tovar kind of sucked when he was in the AFL. He was not impressive on a lot of fronts. And then he went out and had, you know, this insanely dominant first half and the injury took him out and stuff like that. So there's not a correlation to like the youngest guys struggling a little bit. They just typically don't. So that'll be, to your point, something really fascinating to watch. There are going to be a lot of, um, there's going to be not crazy great pitching, but you're going to see a lot of um, more advanced older pitchers out there. I know there's some people complaining about like, you know, oh, my team didn't send out a whole bunch of guys, but you know, as I've uh, perused the rosters uh, right before the episode and even kind of going through, you're just going to have a lot more veterany minor league type of pitchers that are going to be able to attack. And that's going to be fascinating to see how you adjust uh, to your point. Uh, on the home run leaderboard, Hunter Goodman. Hunter Goodman leads. Now, this could, I suppose this could change a little bit. 36 home runs at 22 years old, 36 bombs, 100. 48 strikeouts, a 295 batting average catcher with uh, the Colorado Rockies. So you can obviously look at their system a little bit. Has already pushed up to double A, moved three levels. Uh, he struggled a little bit in his nine games in double A. He's only hitting 219, uh, but he had, does have a couple homers. 22 homers at A, 12 at high A, and then two more here. Talk to me about Hunter Goodman and what you're considering, if anything, with him leading the minors in homers. Yeah, he's probably the guy I'm most sort of skeptical of, of anyone we've talked about. Um, there's just, there's a lot of kind of statistical stuff that sort of screams fluke to me with him. Um, you know, his best, his run at, at Spokane High A uh, is doing a lot of the heavy lifting with, uh, you know, batting average and, and stuff, but that's such a, a hitter-friendly environment. And um, he had a – his walk to K rate was, like, 0.18. Like, he was just an extremely free swinger. 
as a 22 year old at high A and uh, I'm kind of just throwing out what he did at single A as a 22 year old uh, also in a pretty advantageous place to hit. Um, I just like, where do I have, I, I think I barely even have him on my top 400. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, I've, got him at, I've got him at like 397 and if he goes to double A and isn't that great, he'll just be off the list. I had him in the 200s before, the, obviously before this last update was going on. The homers are hard to ignore, but I don't know. Like, there's also something that makes me think about, like, you know, like Mason Martin. Like Mason Martin, you know, big home run leader type of guy, and then they kind of fall off. There's swing and miss issues there, environment. I agree with you on a lot of that front. I'm not sure I would. I, I can ignore, like, leading the minors in homers that I could push him off the list, but I don't think I'm aggressive, uh, aggressive on him. And obviously if he sticks in that destination, one of the guys that, Oh, you know, I didn't even bother to look if it did become official because I had heard this. Let's take a look if I could confirm it. Yes. So Matt Mervis, Matt Mervis, uh, number three in the minor leagues and homers with 33, 24 years old, a little bit older, hit 309, Strikeouts, not as much of an issue. Um, under 100 strikeouts so far in 126 games, which is impressive. Really thought he would get a call-up. That didn't happen, and maybe part of the reason we're seeing there is no call-up is they want him to spend time in the Arizona Fall League, which he is. He is set to play in the Arizona Fall League. So a tiny bit older, but third in the minors and homers. Uh, thoughts on Matt Mervis? I really like Mervis. Okay, uh, there we go. Now we got I, you excited. Yeah, I... Uh, I had him at like one round one hundred on my last update, and I, I'm gonna push him higher on the next one probably. Um, he's just got everything working in his favor. Uh, perfect avenue to full time playing time next year. Just nobody standing in his way at first base. Uh, you know, huge, like monster left-handed power, really good contact skill for a guy with that type of power. So he's definitely a pop-up guy. He's definitely a little old to really kind of go all in on, but that's all I could say on the negative side with him is just kind of the lack of track record before this year and the, the age coupled with the lack of track record. But just evaluating his 2022 season. He got better as he rose up the ranks. Love to see that. And then he, wa he walked more to every level, by the way, he went from a high A to double A to triple A each time he raised his walk percentage up uh, and his K percentage went yeah. down pretty aggressively right. at everyone. Yeah. Like that's just so impressive to both of those rates going in the right direction mm -hmm. against better competition. To me, it just kind of means, like things were just clicking for him and he just kind of figured it out. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited. I, I think he's a great target in like draft and hold leagues, especially if you're doing those kind of early, you know, right after the playoffs before ADP kind of crystallizes. Like I think he's a, a great target there. And I'll also, I want also want to throw out too that, this is a, your opportunity to probably get in on Mervis now because I believe he's the type of guy that is going to thrive here in the fall league. You know, last year the Cubs represented the MVP and Nelson De and uh, Nelson Velasquez. I was about to say Nelson De La Cruz. Don't even, that's not even a player. 
Um, Nelson Velasquez ended up being the MVP last year. The Sloan, Sloan Park is a relatively, you know, a hitter friendly place as far as like the uh, walls and stuff go. And you look at a player, I, I got, I'm, I'm with you on a lot of this stuff because this is wild. 4.6% walk percentage, 24% K percentage. If I would have told you, you have a 24, 23 year old guy that is going to move high A, double A, triple A. And that is his, that is, you know, his walk and strikeout percentage at one of these levels. <clears throat> you'd be like, oh, it's guaranteed triple A. That's his A ball. That's his high A slash right there. The lowest walk percentage, a full, almost a five with a 24% uh, walk to strikeout. And then the nine to 13.9 walk to uh, K percentage was his triple A line. Like, it's not, it's just not to be discounted. That's an incredibly impressive thing to do that, you know, we would look at the high A numbers and we'd be like, all right, well, he hit 350 there. Seven of his homers came from that spot, blah, blah, blah. But guess what? His ISO never really changed. His bat got lower as he went. His strikeout percentage better, his walk percentage better, and he hit double digit homers at both double A and triple A this year in a span of averaging about 50 games. You check all those boxes, and then you're going to have an offseason where you're going to be featured in your home spring training ballpark in the AFL. I think he's going to get a lot of buzz when people take a look at him for, you know, not striking out, being able to be patient, and having big, big homers. Mervis is going to pop. He's going to be a big pop guy, and I know you obviously agree with me. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, definitely. I uh, I mean, I, I don't know if... I, I think the people that have him probably aren't going to want to trade him, you know? Like... Oh no! Like I, I don't think so. I have I have him in some spots and like I'm I'm gonna see this one out. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good one. I like that. See it out. See it out for sure. Uh, one other, I've got some categorical homer things, but just want to point out the youngest, uh, twenty or younger player with the most homers in the minor leagues this season was Johansky Noel with the Cleveland Guardians, thirty-two homers, but a two twenty-six batting average, lots of strikeouts, walks or whatever. What do you make of Johansky? I would say um, maybe the oddest of odd seasons, a horrific batting average with one of the more dominant home run performances, and he's only 20 years old. Yeah. Um, I'm, I've soured on him quite a bit. Um, let's see. Yeah, I got him uh, outside my top 200 now. Oh, 200. Um, okay. But I, like, I think – he he's got too much power, and he's still young enough that uh, he could bounce back next season. But he's kind of a, a DH, like 
maybe a little bit of first base, but mostly a DH. Uh, and he's going to have to mash like, you know, prime Fran mail to play every day. And I think there are enough questions after this year about his hit tool to think that that might be um, something I'd bet against at this point. But at his age and with his, you know, double plus power, I, I'm going to keep him on the list at least, but I, I would bet against him uh, turning into a, an everyday big leaguer. Definitely like some of the biggest power I've seen in the minors, um, especially when he gets over like complex and stuff, it's, it's stupid, but th- there's been a translation of like these guys. And I'm going to be monitoring it where a lot of these guardians prospects, they pop at the lowest level. They have this really bad midterm area and then something clicks when they get a little bit later. Will Brennan, um, or not Will Brennan, uh, Will Benson is a perfect example of it. Um, Nolan Jones struggled with it. Uh, Valero struggled with it and was really able to improve. I don't want to be too far down because I think with the pure raw power, also, um, you know, pretty athletic guy for his size, very young, the team thinks very, very highly of him, that this has been a trend that we've seen with this team. And I kind of actually want to see how this one plays out a little bit. I, if I had shares, I wouldn't be wanting to move off of them just to see, I mean, you hit 226 and you still hit 32 homers. I mean, you're still in the top 10 in the minor league homers with that bad of a batting average with a team that we've seen this trend a whole lot. I would be willing to buy very, very cheap on some shares just to find out. Um, I put together just a couple interesting home run combos. Uh, The 20 or under most homers after Johansky, or actually I think this is the under 21 I had put, uh, Aurelvis Martinez. So he was right after him. Um, you mentioned him earlier. A lot of strikeouts, even worse batting average. Are you? How far out are you on Aurelvis? I've always wanted to be out on him, and this season has kind of given me the opportunity to just get out. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I never believed in him, but I couldn't ignore what he was doing uh, in the very lowest levels. But uh, nickname him Jordan kind of- Peel. Get out. <laughs> Um, like he's on my, he's not off the rankings, but I mean, he's low enough that, you know, I'm not going to have him in any dynasty leagues or anything. So, um, I just, you know, he's, you see this a lot with guys where they just kind of get to a high enough level of the minors and it just, the pitching is too much for him. And that's what we're seeing. And by the way, I get, uh, just to point everybody that would poke at me about this. Johansky is now 21 years old to start the season. He wasn't. And when you go like on fan graphs and stuff, they'll still list him there. So if anybody wants, is going to get technical with me. I'm aware. Uh, but I just wanted everybody to know that's how it's just listed out when we're taking a look at these. Another one. And let me actually see Aurelvis because I think Aurelvis. Yeah. Aurelvis is still under 20. So that's why my marker of like currently under 20 years old, most homers goes to Aurelvis Martinez, but a literal 202 batting average. Here's another good combo. The most home run stolen combo of the year goes to Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, probably no big shocker. Ellie De La Cruz with 28 homers and 46 stolen bases. No bigger home run stolen base combo of significance. So don't talk to me about, um, I get Estre Ruiz with his 76 stolen bases and whatever homers is there, but of significant homers with stolen bases, the prominence goes to Ellie De La Cruz. And I think we kind of all fight ourselves a little bit on like, 
obviously like where's Churio go? Where are you with Ellie? Do, do the, some of the strikeout stuff worry you at all? Or are you just gangbusters, Ellie being um, a no-brainer? Well, I, I mean, I think he's a no-brainer, like top, top, well, definitely a top 10 prospect. Yeah, um, I agree with that. I mean, I was obviously pretty high on him before the year, but I, I think some people might be too high on him relative. To, like, I, I like to compare Ellie with Jordan Lawler and Jackson Churio. Like, I think those three are it's, – it's a good comparison because they bring a lot of the same stuff to the table. They're sort of on a similar trajectory towards the majors. Yeah, all double A guys, and, like and I, I, I prefer Lawler and Churio to to Ellie. Uh, okay, yeah, I, that's literally where I was going to ask. So perfect, yeah. you did that because I've got Churio above all of them, but I have Ellie and Jordan Lawler together. Like physically, Ellie is a lot more impressive. I think one thing you're going to see when you're like physically around Jordan Lawler, I think there's going to be this mental thing of like, isn't he supposed to be a little bit bigger? Um, he's not quite as big as you think. Like when you're around him, but that doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Uh, the thing that stands out, though, is like Ellie is way more of a strikeout contact question than Jordan Lawler is. It's just it's video game numbers with Ellie Dela Cruz. So I do have Ellie one spot above Lawler, uh, but they're all they're kind of in a clump. But we both probably agree like Churio is the no brainer above him. Well, I, I have Lawler as the top guy. Oh, OK. OK, never mind then. I didn't realize you had like, where do you have Lawler? Give him a, a four. Yeah, I'm at four. OK. All right, I hadn't looked at your list. So I figured that would be four. That's where I have Churio. So I've got Churio at four. Um, both of those guys, all of these guys inside my top seven, if that helps for everybody. So uh, the most prolific homer stolen base. I, I would say, like, I, I have Lawler as the top guy, um, but I I could easily see moving Churio ahead of Lawler uh, for the, like, January update. But I can't see moving Ellie above either of those two. Oh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I, I can't get over the how prolific what Trio did this year. I, I don't have a reference. If someone has a good reference for me, let me know. But like, who's a guy that's moved like Trio has in a single season from extended spring training to Double A? I just don't. I just don't have a reference for it. You know, maybe someone could be like A to the majors or something like that. Michael Harris. I mean, I suppose you're like. You know, double A jump, like those are prolific and stuff, but the, the well, way the, I mean, the, the big one that I always think about is the Juan Soto year. Um, where he, which one was that? Was that high A to the majors? Um, it was a a high A double A majors in the same yeah. year. See, like, I feel like if if that would have been like where Churio is, I, I think that's very relative. Like, if Churio had started at A ball. I think we would have been looking at like a September call up for Churio with how this team has moved him. Maybe I'm wrong, um, but I don't know. They got they got kind of aggressive. You know, Garrett Mitchell got the push. Uh, Freelick has been moved up a whole bunch, and Churio's is next level. But yeah, I agree with you. Like, I don't I don't see a scenario where I can move Ellie above those guys. You know, there's that. It's like a cheap comp, but it's kind of like it's like the O'Neill Cruz type of things. Like, there's some swing and miss that are maybe some concerns. But either way, don't take it away. Elliot the Cruz, phenomenal. And then the youngest double-digit homer player for this year at 17 years old, Lazaro Montes. James, talk to me about Lazaro. Yeah, man, I love him. I, I think uh, just based on that P1 ADP, I feel like, like he's someone where I want to be the high man on him, but I don't think I am anymore. Um, 
And where was that? Was it in the nineties or eighties or something? Uh, something like that. Yeah. I'm gonna go look while you're talking. And I had him ranked like around a hundred, maybe. Um, which you know, to me, a seventeen-year-old in the DSL with a thirty-three percent strikeout rate being at one hundred and two, where I have him, or one hundred and one. Like, I don't, what, what more do you want from me? You know. Um, but yeah, I guess people like me more than that. <laughs> I, I like that. This is our frustration. Like, what do you guys want from me anymore? Like, we're we're trying to do it. He was ninety-one on the midseason P one eighty P and he had a high of seventy-one. One person took him seventy-one overall. So that's like that was where the value was in July. So now you're coming off of again a very successful minor league season, the youngest to hit double digit homers. He was the most prolific of all of them. It's only going to get higher, um, you know, I don't know, maybe into the 50s. And that's the cost is going to be kind of a little bit difficult. All right. A couple more here. Stolen bases. Uh, one of uh, obviously as Tori leads the way uh, Two stolen base combos that really interested me. Jonathan Clay's 13 homers with 55 stolen bases for the Seattle Mariners, this, uh, Mar- uh, Mariners this year. And uh, any thoughts on Jonathan Clay's with the homer stolen base combo? Yeah, I'm not. uh I'm not a big believer necessarily, but I, you know, it's, it's enough. Like he needs to be ranked, I think. Um, but I, like if I could trade him this off season off of this year, I would. But what would be the reason to trade him off? Would it be like, um, would it be because he's valued like around like a top 100 that you'd want to trade? Is he, he's not a guy you'd want to see out. Cause I kind of want to see him out physically. He's worked on his body so much. He's really bulked up the homers and stolen bases are very, very impressive. All It feels very like uh, Luis Angel Acuna type to me as well. Mm. Uh, maybe it's not like a great positional stuff, but I don't know. I've always been relatively impressed. He's a guy to kind of want to see out. You know, it's funny you bring up Acuna. Um, I mean, Acuna is three months older, and he's he got 35 games in a double A. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I, that's I, I just think he's maybe – I was – I would have wanted to see even more from him, I think, this year, given his physical tools. Who, that's who, uh, really uh, class kind of A play. or place? Yeah, yeah, class A. Oh, like, oh I, really? I okay. mean, I just, I don't know. Like, I think, you know, he's 20. He's, like, super quick twitch. Uh, you know, should he really be rocking a 27% strikeout rate? And that's I don't know. I mean, like, I, I think mean, it's, I think it's fine. I just, I'm not. I don't really buy it necessarily in, in terms yeah. of what he would do at double A AA and triple A. I mean, the Mariners definitely haven't been aggressive. Uh, they, I don't even think they're ever aggressive with Noel V. He spent the whole year in a ball. Um, his first professional stateside season was last year in, in complex. You know, I mean, if we're going to say like Luis on Alicuna is a better player. Yeah. I, I don't think that's good, but I just don't think they're that far off, but they just haven't been aggressive. I, and I wonder is that more about is that an organizational thing or is it a class A type of thing? I agree with the strikeouts and stuff. You want to pare it down, but he had 65 walks in 107 games. So I don't know. I'm 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 just a little bit more in on him. Uh, another combo. Uh, most stolen bases with 20 homers or more this season goes to Anthony Volpe, who had 20 homers with 48 stolen bases. So nobody with the uh, 20 homers had more stolen bases. Um, 
uh, for him at least with the 20 homers, not counting Ellie De La Cruz, of course, uh, was going to Anthony Volpe. 20 homers, 48 stolen bases. Have you how much have you soured or just leveled off with Volpe? Because I haven't let him out of my top 10. I didn't do it all season out of stubbornness because I think he really can be an elite player. I don't think I've moved him much at all on any of the last like two or three updates. Um, let's see. I feel like I locked him. I just locked him and I'm like, I'm not going to move him. Like I've just, I refused it. Like I, I think he might've been the least moved player on my rank all season long because of the struggles. And I was like, no, nah, I just don't think so. I can't. I so can't lock him. since, um, since August of 2021, I've had him between seven and 17. <laughs> so, like, I've had him within a 10 ranking spot range for over a year. That, I mean, that, and that's incredible. That also probably says to, I, do you feel similar about that? Where it's like, he definitely had a big contact issue early on, which I understand why people can knock. He had, a, he had a nice improvement on the back half of the year, getting his average back up. It then tailed again. He ended up 254 with 20 homers, 48 stolen bases, 119 hits, 821 OPS. He's just, he's one of those guys that you definitely don't want to see this like continue. You don't want to see him continue hitting into the 250s, but I think he's too good for what the stat line, at least from batting average shows. Right. He He's like, he's earned that spot kind of in that, uh, you know, whatever you want to say, like seven to 15 range. I think he's, he's definitely earned that, but there are other players in the top 10 that I just have a bit more faith in uh, kind of actualizing everything. Like there's just something about, I mean, his, his counting stats have been pretty crazy. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with saying, you don't fully buy them, but like, I don't quite buy like he hit 20 homers this year in 121 games, stole 48 bases. I just something about it. I just don't think it translates that way. Like I think it's maybe more doesn't pass the sniff test for you. 15 to 20 homers with 15 to 20 steals type of thing. So like um, Josh Rojas, like he feels more like he becomes Josh Rojas, which is great. Josh Rojas is fun and stuff, but. Is that does that sound maybe like your general range? Which is yeah, I mean that's like not meant to be a slight, but like you know if you really bought into the power speed totals and you factored in the proximity, he'd probably be closer to like a top five prospect. I gotcha. Uh, finishing up the hitting, uh, Sandro Gaston. Sandro Gaston uh, was your ISO leader at three sixty nine, and Brian Betancourt WRC plus one ninety. So a couple uh, lower. Uh, you know, lower level guys of Dominican Summer League complex. Any thoughts on Gaston or Betancourt real quick before we go to pitching? Uh, no, I generally don't pay attention to like 19 year olds in the DSO. Um, I kind of just want to see it stateside if you're that old. Uh, so on the pitching, strikeouts, Brandon Fat with a P, Fat with a P. Uh, Arizona Diamondbacks led the minor leagues in strikeouts this year with. 202. He also, I know, uh, it was a big topic of conversation in the prospect one group me rooms that we had that he also gave up a lot of home runs. Uh, that was one of his bad calling cards. I think he was, let's see, yeah, he was top 10 in homers given up with 26 this year, but he also struck out 202, which was 
I think 16 more than the next player. 23 years old, Arizona Diamondbacks, 388 ERA. Thoughts on Brandon Fatten leading uh, with a 200 strikeout minor league season? Yeah, I'm really impressed with him. I I think more impressive than the strikeout total is the innings total. The fact that he led the minors with 105 and a third innings. Yeah, I mean, 55. There, there's or yeah, 155. Um, like there's big league starters I've been rostering all season that I wish had that many innings. Um, and he's, and then if you like compare him to sort of like remember how ugly like Dre Jameson and Ryan Nelson's numbers were at Triple uh, A. Yuck. For like you know, understandably so. Um, for the most part, I think if you look at what Fat did there. You have to be pretty impressed, especially given the early returns from Jameson and Nelson, maybe suggesting that they're significantly better pitchers than those AAA numbers would indicate. Like, I think that also really kind of explains away the home run issue, too, to me, because it's not like it was just AAA. Like, Amarillo is a, a hitter's park, too. So, um, yeah. I, I think you just got to be really. Uh, impressed by what Fat did this year. I don't know if it's, you know, maybe it's kind of like mid-rotation stuff, but I think he's going to make 20-plus starts in the majors next year. And How does he push on your list as far as the strikeouts go? Because to your point, Dre Jamison had an over 5 ERA in the PCL, and uh, while he was in double-A, he had four starts in the double-A before that. He had like a 2 ERA for Brandon Fat. Double A, he had a higher strikeout marker, but he really struggled on double A with a four five three in Amarillo. But he had a better xFIP down in three six, and then he goes into the PCL. He lowers his home run rate from one six two to one two six. He has a two five two ERA, and he still has a ten K per nine that he rocks. So, uh, like I said, as far as like where he ranks and where he sits among other starting pitchers, what are you going to do with him going into the offseason? So I had him at 126 on the last update. Um, what I think, you know, one thing you talked about, like how he was better at AAA versus AA, like it was really kind of the last um, like three months where it kind of clicked. Like he he struggled initially at AA, but then he was excellent, forced the promotion and kind of kept it rolling. Had four double-digit strikeout games in his last 15. Um, and kind of the more I think about, like uh, like Eric Cross and Chris Clegg and I did a, a pitching prospect draft on the podcast uh, this week, and I ended up with Fat, and I just kind of stack him up against other pitching prospects. I think are going to spend the majority of next season in the majors, and I think he he stacks up pretty nicely. Uh, so I I wouldn't be surprised if he was kind of right around a hundred on the end of season update. Yeah, and, and you know the. The question I need to walk away with, but it, the obvious answer comes in of, of Brandon Fat. It's like, man, we're not seeing him in the fall league, and he didn't get the call up, but he also had 155 innings under his belt. So I don't think they want to press. That puts him in line that they could probably press him to 180 next year. I think yeah. he could break camp. I think they could break camp um, with Ryan Nelson and Brandon Fat in the rotation. Dre is a little bit of a question mark for me. Maybe he goes in the bullpen, or they just say, screw it, and they just go, hey, listen, we got Gallon. 
We've got Merrill. Maybe they can get Madison off of here, and they go Ryan. Maybe Tommy Henry goes to the bullpen. But Brandon Fett's a guy I think they push into the rotation, and that's why you're not seeing him in the fall league or in the majors. They're just prepping him for next year. So I agree with you on the, the kind of 100 range. Another guy who is insanely impressive was number two in the minor leagues in strikeouts, Kyle Harrison. Also, the leader in the minor leagues in K percentage at 39.8 and the leader in K minus walk percentage at 29.3. Where the hell are you going with Kyle Harrison? Because, I mean, Brandon Fadd is impressive across the board, but Kyle Harrison, I mean, that's your lead dog as far as if you want dominant strikeout pitchers, K minus walk, K percentage, number two in strikeouts. And I think if I look at, uh, let's compare innings here, Brandon Fatt with 155 innings for 202 strikeouts. Kyle Harrison is number two with 186, 16 less, only 113 innings. Hmm. Yeah, he's a he's a monster. Um, he the the fact that he led the minors in K minus walk is so impressive, considering nice. that his control is his worst trait right now. So. He was so dominant with the strikeouts that even though he rocked the like 11% walk rate at double A, he still let the minors and came out yeah. walk. By, mo- by, by almost two full percentage points over number two, who was Jack Lefwich, had a 27.4, Cal Harrison 29.3. And Lefwich had half of the walk percentage that Cal Harrison had. Yeah, man, I it's tough because it's like, you know, he's obviously – where do I have him? I have him at like 24 on my last update. I think he's he's obviously in that kind of, if not the very, very top tier, maybe that second tier of pitching prospect. Can I ask you uh, who'd you rather? Sure. Kyle Harrison or Andrew Painter? Uh, Painter. Easy. Yeah, I, I, I have the, the three guys I have ahead of, of Harrison are – Grayson Rodriguez, Andrew Painter, and Ricky Tito. Ooh, you know what I was going to ask you? So well, we already have the answer to it, but maybe we could hear the breakdown. And you know how I feel about uh, Tateman. But uh, Yuri Perez or Kyle Harrison, so is is it easy Kyle Harrison, or is there a little souring of Yuri? Um, it's it's just all about health with Yuri for me. Uh, he, I would take healthy Yuri over healthy Harrison, uh, but I think – you know, you it, it, at least he made it back this year. Um, he missed over a month with shoulder fatigue, and he made it back. Uh, now, I, it's still kind of a red flag for me, just kind of given his age. Um, you know, they allowed him to make a, a decent amount of starts as a what was he nineteen at double a um 18 to double a like like he you know he, he really was incredibly advanced and they let him go five plus plenty of times so it's not that surprising that his shoulder or arm started barking towards the end of the year so like for me it's like with uri and kyle harrison i have harrison one spot ahead of perez right now just because i think he's a better health risk heading into next year but um, that really is just kind of the, the blemish for Perez for me. It's just that that injury he dealt with. Uh, the other guy that just kind of jumped out as far as um, strikeouts go, we talked about him very early on, but not a whole lot recent, was just uh, Roybert Salinas. 
175 this year. Only gave up seven total homers in 109 innings, which is pretty impressive. Three and a half ERA and moved to high A ball. Any thoughts on Roiber? I was actually just thinking about him the other day and like reminiscing on when the like prospect Twitter was just obsessed with uh, <laughs> Roy Bear. And then he. Was that like April? I think it was like April. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like here are his walk rates um, of like by level uh, 14.9, 13.9, 14.5, 12.9, 13.7. Like. 12 point the 12.9 at low a this year is his best mark and that was five starts as a 21 year old so i just think you know this is i think this is headed in a direction that to me seems pretty clear like i think he's just going to be a relief guy uh like a setup man yeah yeah uh 24.1 k minus walk percentage uh still relatively high on the list because the k percentage was so dominant but I believe if I'm looking here, yes, this is correct. And I mean, I this list could go on. Inside the top 30 of K minus walk percentage, no player had a higher walk rate than Roiber by even 2%. I mean, it's over 2% higher than the next person because of that walk rate uh, as far as strikeouts go. Um, and, you know, Kyle Harrison, we talked about. The last one going to kind of leave you with, and then I'm going to have just one question for you, was, oh, this is interesting, the sub one whip group and obviously this is going to be mixed in with a lot of like complex guys so i'm not going to throw them in here there's also like casey lawrence who's like 34 years old but the top four that stood out to me jake leftwich uh, of relevance of prospects the number one lowest whip at 0.94 tied with gordon graceffo and then you also have gavin williams and taylor dollard with a 0.95 so 0.94 for leftwich and graceffo gavin williams and dollard 0.95 probably the most prolific under one whip player leaderboard there. Um, any thoughts on uh, these four guys? Leftwich, probably the least talked about. Gavin Williams, the most elite, both on the same team. Gordon Graceffo definitely made a big move, and Dollard, I think, is very underrated. So these four, any thoughts? Yeah. Um, Gavin Williams, definitely the class of that group to me. Uh, he's the one with the really loud stuff. Uh, Graceffo has shown good velocity. But and I need to dig into this more. But the strikeout rate just plummeted for Graceffo after he got bumped from high A to double A, uh, kind of into a range where I'm not that comfortable having it. To be honest, like you know, you gotta at least be like a strikeout per inning guy um, to kind of give us confidence that that's going to translate into a good skill in the majors. So I'm I'm a little worried about where Graceffo's trending. Uh, and then the other two, like Dollard, I think is kind of a command control back end type. Um, maybe the same with Leftwich. Uh, but you know, Gavin Williams to me is, you know, he's he's kind of closing in on that Uri Kyle Harrison grouping. Uh, finally, on this, just taking a look at all these guys. Does anybody stand out that um, – I know we talked a lot of players. You may have already mentioned the guy, but just so many huge performances from the year. It doesn't necessarily have to be about leaders, but uh, just anything on any guys on their seasons that have just been so impressive, whether it's someone we've talked about, whether it's a simple category. Something I didn't get into was looking at some of the hard hit numbers. Obviously, Emmanuel Rodriguez missed time but had the um, 
had the highest hard hit percentage of any player, just anything as far as the 2022 performances that just stand out as far as you uh, given a mention? Um, you know, I think there's some storylines that I'll definitely kind of remember about this year. Like I think Carol and Henderson sort of emerging as the best prospects and then getting the debut, uh, the, you know, Atlanta bringing up two impact prep bats from double a and those guys just having nothing but success uh you know the the lawler trio ellie uh james wood like exciting teenage hitter grouping is is going to be fun to watch but um like two if i were to just kind of say like like hitter of the year in the minors and pitcher of the year in the minors i i might give those to Kyle Manzardo and Andrew Painter um, just when kind of, you know, like who was the best pure hitter in the minors? Like I think Manzardo's got a real strong case um, when you look at just how good he was relative to the average hitters in his league and uh, Painter, like this is, you know, five starts at double A or whatever it is. Like this is kind of the danger zone. This is when like Mackenzie Gore's, prospect stock peaked this is when Forrest Whitley's prospect stock peaked um so you want to be careful not to over invest but I think just Andrew Painter from a pure dominance standpoint really stands out to me on the pitching side love it James Anderson real J.R. Anderson uh what do you got going down you I know there's always a million things going on what uh what do we got to plug um not a ton this time of year uh I'm doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff, kind of getting stuff ready for the off season, the last month of the year. I'm really uh, like, I'm checking my fantasy baseball league standings pretty religiously. Um, and I'm actually kind of getting into the swing of things for fantasy basketball, uh, participated in a fun exercise with our basketball editors like this earlier this week. And that's up on our site under the NBA section. So. Um, just kind of got my head in a lot of different areas right now, but excited for the end of the season, to be honest. I just don't want to have to check my standings anymore and looking forward to the AFL. I love it, man. Well, I'm excited to see you. Uh, see you in probably about six weeks. Arizona Fall League starting up in a couple weeks, but uh, the whole crew for first pitch coming out right around November. Real J.R. Anderson, James Anderson, Roto Wire, going uh, support my boy. And thank you so much for hanging with me and spending some time. And I will see you soon, my friend. Anytime, man. Looking forward to it. Thank you again to James Anderson for taking the time out for me, as he always does. I always love uh, chatting with him and going through all of the uh, motions of the prospects, and especially when you're kind of looking at the end of the season. It's just a weird time. Also, we all probably pay even a less of attention to each other's ranks. I don't really pay attention to any of them. Sometimes I like to look for episodes. I didn't even bother going to look at the final rank update because I thought it would just be better going through when we're talking about the big players for him. I mean, not looking at his rank and not like pushing off the players or anything like that and just getting his, um, you know, his new take as uh, his rank update will be coming in the near future, as will mine. And in this league.com, you guys can sign up. It'll be here in the very, very near future as I'm, I'm just trying to take as much. I mean, I could just release it, but I just don't think it's ready. I want to go through, especially making sure I've got some of the lower guys added Dominican Summer League and stuff that I want I made a concerted effort that my 400 to 500 range is a lot of more speculative ads. And there's just a lot of performance. Brandon Fat being a perfect example of someone I didn't put a major, major boost on even into my last update. 
But when you go and take a look at what he did uh, total in the PCL, it is insanely impressive and he needs to come up. And there's a lot of these guys that need to come up. And I'm excited to show that to you guys here in the near future. So if you guys want to support me, all this stuff, you want to support the Arizona Fall League that I'm going to be out uh, getting tons of video. And um, I don't know what else. I, do, I don't know the access I'm going to have yet. But at worst, I will be there getting tons of video for you guys. Go to inthisleague.com. You guys can even get into the group me rooms. And I may be doing some live streams. Uh, it might be on the Twitch and they might be on the Patreon at the Arizona Fall League, maybe before games, or uh, I haven't decided how it's going to go. But like I said, if you want to make sure you're in the know, in this league.com will give you all the updates. You can follow me on Twitter at Is It The Welsh and be on the lookout in the next couple days for an Arizona Fall League breakdown podcast, which I'm very excited to do. That's it. Thank you to James Anderson and thank you to you. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and find me on Twitter at Is It The Welsh. Until next time, friends, I'm Chris Welsh. This is Prospect One. See you next time.